Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is he is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. I'm one of your hosts, Teresa Curley, along with... Along with Deacon Paul Trinan. How are you, Teresa? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm very excited. I think we got a terrific show in front of us. I think some of the guests are going to be just awesome. We're getting off. Ah, you know, you pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit decided to wait on our start here for a couple of minutes. But we are on our way. We're, we're broadcasting again on site here at the Abbey of the Hills. If you don't know where that's at, it's in downtown Marvin, South Dakota, which is actually... In the northeast corner of South Dakota, probably about 20 or so miles um, north, a little east of Watertown. So we're just pleased as punch to be here. Got a really, really good show. I think it's going to, it'll have a focus on these recent Supreme Court decisions from Roe about Roe versus Wade and whatnot, but hopefully from a, a little bit different perspective. Um, for a couple of these things. So we're excited about that. We've got a guest here this morning. Her name is Hannah Zomer. She happens to be my daughter. She was on with us, how long ago, Hannah, was that? That was well over a year ago, right? Maybe two? Yeah, I think maybe like a year ago in February or yeah. something. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, and uh, gosh, and then we'll get into the, the, the whole Roe versus Wade discussion. Well, I'm Hannah, um, Paul's daughter. Um, I'm a 30-year-old. I live in Ortonville, Minnesota. Um, I'm, ado- or I'm a mom to four, uh, three biological children, and one adopted. Um, stay at home with them, and I guess my perspective on this is that I'm also an adoptive and foster mom. Yeah, you sure are. You sure are. So the last time we had you on, we talked about a pro-life issue uh, involving foster parenting, correct? Yes. Now that... You know, give, 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 give our listeners a little example of how you came to be a foster parent. Um, so probably about three years now, I got the poll, um, heard God's voice calling me to be it. Um, I think it was around Roe versus Wade time, the previous date in January. And I just realized that if I'm going to be truly pro-life, that I need to be acting upon that. Um, so I talked to my husband about that, and he wasn't on board right away, so there was a lot of praying and discerning. Um, but then we became foster parents in maybe three years ago in December, and then the following May I was five months pregnant um, with our third, and we got a call for a three-year-old little baby boy. Um, got a call on a three-day-old. Three, yeah, sorry. Ah. Um, and... Uh, we said yes. We thought we'd only have them for a little while. And then um, back in February of this year, we actually adopted him. So I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old. Soren just turned two in May. And then Eli, my youngest biological, will be two in September. Uh, So you have a full house. 
Yeah. A lot of joy going yeah. on there, I'm sure. Yeah. A lot of joy and a lot of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of joy and a lot of chaos. Something you, you said uh, when you were describing that, Hannah, really struck out to me. You said to, to be truly pro-life, you need to be active. And, you know, I had the opportunity to, to, to do the homily this weekend at the parishes that I serve, um, and I talk, talked about that, this, this call to activity, or, 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 or I would use the word, this call to mission, this mm-hmm. call to mission. You know, Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, now, it's at hand. That was his very first line from the Gospel of Mark, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. So, how, I want to just dig into that a little bit more. You mentioned, ah, my wife, or my husband and I, Trent, weren't quite on the same page with that. Do you think there's other people listening right now that may not as couples be on the same page? Yeah, I think um, probably when I tell people that we're foster parents, the number one thing I hear is, oh, I could never do that. I'd get too attached. Yeah. And it's kind of a tricky subject because, I mean, what comes to mind is you've got to say it in a loving way, but really you, the comfort, you being comfortable and being stretched to that and having to possibly let go of that child because the main goal is reunification. Um, I think so much we're focusing on our comfort and like I don't want to go through that heartache when really our focus should be on that child feeling safe and loved. And I think that's a really hard thing to do because naturally we think of our feelings and our family's feelings, but... When Jesus calls us to this mission, we should be putting that child's feelings above ours because they really need that safe, loving home. And I think Mm. that can just be such a hard thing to do because it's really just about you are sacrificing your feelings and your comfort for theirs because theirs take priority, kind of. And then I think sometimes that strays people away because that's a really hard thing to do. I'm sure it's scary, too, because there's so many unknown variables when you're welcoming a strange child into your home. It's a lot of anxiety. So, in a way, when I decided to do that, I was like, my life, I have a really good life. It's very comfortable. And this situation that I'm opening myself up to, I was like, this is going to help me rely on God more. Because I realized that I needed to do that. I was just, I realized, I was like... I could be totally in the idea of I don't need God, like I'm good where I'm at because I think it's when you're really in those anxious moments and those struggling moments where you're like, I really need Jesus is where you build your relationship with him the most and feel him the most. And I'm sure there's people that are foster parents are listening right now and and probably affirming what you're saying by nodding their heads across the radio waves. But there's also people listening right now this might be the first time that the Holy Spirit has even planted this idea in them, this idea of our primary focus in this life is not our comfort. It's not our comfort. Our primary focus is what God's call is to us, and that's to build this kingdom and focusing on the other. And the, and the other that, Hannah, you're talking about is the child, right? But you also, you also said something within there it just didn't involve the child. It involved the family, too. The, the primary goal of fostering is what? Reunification. Family reunification. Yeah. So explain how 
you guys worked with um, the social workers towards that and how, in your instance, that didn't happen. In a lot of instances, it does. Um, so for ours, it was um, I would meet um, Soren's biological mom at doctor appointments. I would usually, um, he would have visits with her three days a week at, his, at a visitation center, and I would drop him off there and... They had kind of asked me, like, would you be able to do this? Because sometimes they're shorter staff, so it makes it a lot easier. And mm-hmm. at first, I didn't really want to do it because it's kind of awkward. But um, mm-hmm. now looking back on it, it was a really big blessing because I think we kind of, depending on the situation, can villainize the biological parents, which is not fair because they're children of God just like us, and um, their lives are a lot tougher than ours. So... I got to kind of build a relationship for her and I think build empathy and see her as a true human, which is what she was, and give her the grace that she deserved. And um, that was really hard, too. I think the week Soren was adopted, I I obviously knew that was best for him, but I just was like kept going over the scenarios of like... Um, you know, like what his mom must be feeling like. And um, I think that was just really good for me to see it and build empathy for people in their situation because prior to that, I would have probably just been like, they got themselves in this situation. This is their fault. They don't deserve to be with them, which, um, I mean, there's some truth to their choices, but like Soren's biological mother loves him with all her heart. And I truly think that if she could have taken care of him and chosen to do that and not get in, in you know the situation she would she wouldn't have but so I think it just it gives you a much different dis- um, perspective on it and I think that was really needed and I think that's helping me going forward with the foster care world and like what things I could possibly do and try to help just single mothers or people in those situations we're going to take a quick break but on the other side of this break we're going to talk about this then is maybe the looking forward toward what can we do more what can we do more especially again back to this roe versus wade decision by the supreme court what can what's the the mission that we're called to as as faithful people so thanks for visiting with hannah zomer she's a young mother of four children one three bios and one adopted Uh, that was in foster care, and uh, we're going to be right back after this break. Thank you. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. 
For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. All right, hang on to your hat, folks. We're talking about the the call of the Holy Spirit to mission after the uh, Roe versus Wade decision by the Supreme Court. I'm Deacon Paul Trinan, and we are uh, broadcasting here from the Abbey of the Hills. And I'm Teresa Curley. Yeah. So we're, we're, our guest here this morning is Hannah Zomer. Um, uh, you know, just uh, in all honesty, she's my daughter. She's my daughter. And I, I have six children and uh, proud of them all, proud of what Hannah's been doing, her and her husband Trent, in terms of her um, experience and, and her work with foster children and, um, and then adopting as well. So, Hannah, let's talk about. What you're hearing the Lord, the Holy Spirit say right now, kind of on a broader sense, okay? Uh, okay, this, 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 this big, huge decision came about. It's affected every state that are, what do we got, five states in our listening area. It's affecting all of us. And one of the things, um, well, I just want to get your perspective, first of all. What do you think this big, broad um, picture may be calling us to as as faithful as faithful Catholics. Um, so with the decision of Roe versus Wade being overturned, I think I think it's really just calling us to um, take a big look at the mothers and children who are gonna be affected by this and I think I'm hearing a lot of Jesus calling me to the mothers especially because I think a lot of pro life people are hearing are you know we think about the babies and which is definitely important i'm a huge pro-life person but i'm really hearing the holy spirit talk about the mothers and how we really need to be taking those um, women into our arms and seeing how we can help them in the situations that they're now going to be put into because of this decision yeah and and i've heard you talk about that from the standpoint of all right, there's probably going to be more children going in. There could be more children going into the foster system. And as a mother who helps out in that, who's helped out in that, what are some of the things that people can do for these mothers that you've you've recognized and maybe thought about? So I'm wondering if now because of this decision, there will be more 
in the foster care system, but also just, um, I think not only the foster care system, but like there's programs out there with like family services where they help out single mothers and, um, instances like that. So I think, um, yes, there may be more children being put in the foster care system, but I think probably there's going to be more mothers looking for support in that way. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, one way I'm looking at it is, um, respite care. So I think a lot of times when people think of respite, they think of relieving foster parents, but there's also respite where there's just mothers out there who don't have the support that they need. And sometimes they need a break for a multitude of reasons. And I think one way we can step up is becoming respite parents so we can allow them that break. And so they can feel that support in that way. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how does, how does that, I mean, how does that come about or how do you do that? How do you, in what form could that be respite? So you would reach out to um, your family services or a social worker in your town and um, you would talk to them about um, becoming a respite um, family. And it's actually pretty simple. I think you might have to do uh, a background check. Um, Really, it's a lot easier process than becoming a foster parent. Um, I did the whole foster parent thing, so I couldn't tell you exactly, but... I think the process would take less than a month, and it's they make it really pretty simple. So I would say reach out to your family services, a social worker. Um, usually if you just start talking to someone, they'll be able to lead you in the direction just because people know someone or some situation. But I would really suggest you just reach out to your local family service center. And then, you know, I don't know if this would be defined as respite care, but just simply being better neighbors Mm. love your neighbor as yourself and you know i mean tater tot hot just can go a long ways Mm -hmm. towards showing love it can or or gift certificates to the pizza place or or having them over to your home and saying hey you know what let's uh let's give you a little bit of a break here and walk with you um towards um towards a, a meal and then even just Letting the kids be in a different environment and engaging this single parent um, family that God's God is allowed to, to take place and, and to grow. Thoughts on some of those things, Hannah? Um, yeah. So when you said love your neighbor, I think one of the ways that God is specifically calling me is um, there's a lot of single moms out there who aren't in foster care system or aren't mm-hmm. with these programs, but. Um, you can see they need help. Um, you know, some things you can read in the newspapers, some things it's just pretty obvious. And I think sometimes my first instinct is to judge them, which I'm ashamed to say, but like, how are you doing this? You're like, you're not measuring up to my standard of a mom. And that's just so unchristian like. And so I've been trying to convict myself to see them as a child of God and just, you know, strike up a conversation with them like i'm just thinking like some of these people a lot of people are judging them and they just must feel so alone so um i am thinking of like having them over for dinner or you know offering to watch their children but i'm like you can't just walk up to a stranger and do these things you have to build the relationship and i just feel like we kind of put this wall up in as i'm a good person and you're a bad person but 
when you look at how they were raised and what they've gone through, like there's always reasons why people are the way that they are. And so for me to judge them because their childhood or situation has been so much better than I, mine is, or so much worse than mine is completely unfair. And I'm just really just trying to look at them like we are both sinners. We are both children of God. And I, I just, I think if we start looking at these people like that, I think then they'll be able to reach out to support and they won't feel so alone and maybe they won't feel like my only option is to abort my baby because I feel so alone. So I think really as pro-life people, like we need to take away that barrier and put ourselves on the same playing field because we're, we're, we're so much more alike than them different. And like God didn't call us to judge. He called us to love. So just, just to have the conversation, just to connect with them. Like I just, I just keep seeing that more and more. I'm like, I don't want to, it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, I like to stay with my friends who are, I guess, have it more together or have more money or whatever. But I'm like, that's not what God's calling me to do. And I truly feel like if I just start talking to them, if I build a relationship, then that's where the connection is. That's where I can support them because they're not going to come asking for support if I'm just sitting on the sidelines judging them. Yeah. Mm. And going back to what's the best age to do this? You know, Hannah, she's, she's stepping up to the plate rather young, early thirties. But Teresa and I were talking off the air that your parents are also involved in the foster going back to the foster. It doesn't have to be limited to the foster, but they're involved in this and they're in there. Knocking on the door to 60, right? Yeah, they are. They started fostering when my youngest sister was probably 16. So how long ago? Um, six years now. Yeah. So they started in their early 50s. Yeah. Uh, again, I think that the, the emphasis is we're kind of going to have to put a bow around this. It always goes really, really fast it with does. everybody. <laughs> but what I think Hannah is, is emphasizing to, to all of us is that we need to step up and we need to quit judging. We need to start engaging and we need to be praying, just just enveloping all this with prayer, not towards comfort, not asking God, hey, you know, give me, give me, give me, but show me, show me the way. You know, I, I, when Hannah was describing the uh, the need to reach out towards some of these folks that are different than us, it's 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 like the gospel from last week when Friday when when Jesus said, you know, I came to, I came to call those that were sick. I came for the ill. The, 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 those that are well don't need a physician. And I, I was with a, a group of really, really holy people at this low-rent, high-rise communion service, and they said, we're all in need of a physician. Mm. The only people that aren't in need of a physician are the ones that push them away thinking they got it all together. And nobody's got it all together. Nobody. And all, all, we all need. We all need Christ. We all need. We all need to see Christ. So, Hannah, thank you for coming in this morning. We appreciate um, any last words of advice towards folks that are out there that are contemplating. What can I do to help as these uh, situations become more prevalent following this court decision? Um, I would say if you're getting the pull to foster care, um, just following those footsteps. If God doesn't want you to, he will stop you. Um, look into respite. 
um, look into supporting your foster families, food, gift cards, diapers, um, um, date or babysitting. Like there's not a day that if that wouldn't have been offered to me, I would have ever said no to that. Um, just in your community, reaching out to those people. I think it's, it's really just so basic that we try to make it this big thing like, oh, I got to do foster care, I got to adopt. And really it's, it's just loving these women. It's celebrating their babies. It's mm-hmm. treating their babies who are being born the same way you would be treating um, my son, Elijah, being born. Like, they are a gift from God. And, like, not judging them. And, you know, I think of Soren's biological mom, and I just praise God. Like, it's so easy to judge her and say, she had this baby, she was doing blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, praise God she chose life. Like, let's focus on that. She chose life. Mm-hmm. And because that, I get the blessing of Soren, and so many other people get the blessing of Soren. So I think, help these mothers celebrate their decision to say yes, and support these mothers so that they will want to say yes. Well said, Hannah. Thank you again for coming in and visiting with us about this this call to mission, this, this beautiful call to mission to to be uh, Christ to our neighbors that might happen to be uh, single moms or moms struggling to discern whether they're going to have their baby or go to maybe even a different state to to abort. We have that opportunity. We have that mission, right? Absolutely. What an exciting time to be Catholic. Amen. Thank you, Hannah. All right. Well, next, Deacon, we have something else up your alley. You know, we're going we're gonna to have a, our next guest is a woman named Jill Ottleman, and she's our chief development officer here at the Abbey. And she's going to come out and talk about her efforts to make the Abbey cool. I mean, really, really cool. Really cool. Really cool. <laughs> so. so we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. And more Real Presence Live coming up. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 